Good evening, Grace Covenant. How you guys doing? Good? Sorry? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm one of your associate pastors here over our men's ministry and our prayer ministry. And I get the great privilege um, this evening in continuing our series that Pastor Jim started a couple of weeks ago on finding Jesus. And so our topic this evening will be finding Jesus in the gospel. Finding Jesus in the gospel. And so we'll be looking at Galatians chapter 1, um, primarily verses 3 through 6. And while you are um, pulling that up, I will do the same and read for our hearing. Um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Excuse me, I'm reading in Ephesians. and I knew that was wrong, so let me go to Galatians chapter 1. Um, Uh, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and returning and are turning to a different gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to be in front of your people, but the reality is we want to hear from you. And so I ask that you will use me as a tool to communicate your message, um, that you will um, clearly articulate the gospel in such a way that we begin to find Jesus on a consistent basis and thus live in such a way that glorifies you um, and draws others to you, that, that people will see, the, the, that, we, that we will be able to see um, that others are encountering Christ or experiencing Christ within, excuse me, encountering Christ um, within our communities here at Grace Covenant Church. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. So I think about the title, Finding Jesus in the Gospel. Um, and as I was preparing, I, I talked to my wife about that, and I said, hey, what, what do you think about um, that title? What does that mean to you? And she says, well, um, isn't Jesus like all about the gospel? Like, isn't that what the central message of the gospel is? I say, absolutely, you know, Jesus, he lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we should have died, and, and he rose from the dead on the third day, proving that he was the son of, son of God. And, and that's kind of the core, kind of in a, in a nutshell, the message of the gospel. Um, so then, if, if the gospel is so clear, how is it that we need to find Jesus within it? Um, and as I was preparing and as I um, began to pray and ask God where to uh, begin to look so that I could share with you a message, he took me to Galatians. And one of the things that you have to understand about Galatians, as Paul, the apostle, he's writing this letter, you get very quickly his tone and the seriousness in which he is writing to the people of Galatia. He says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. He quickly establishes who he is and the authority by which he is writing to them because of the seriousness of the issue. The reality of what had happened was there had been other people who had come in, who had become a part of the church, who had been adding to the gospel. 
which in, in verse 6 he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. In fact, in verse 7 he says, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. What was that distortion? That distortion was that somehow Christ plus your ability to follow the Mosaic law, getting circumcised, following the feast, is what was necessary to stand righteous before God, to stand in right standing. You say, oh, okay, now I begin to understand God. For most of us, we think the gospel is just about getting saved. It's kind of, as some theologians or pastors that I like, they, they say that it's just the ABCs of Christianity. And a lot of us fall into that trap of thinking, now that I've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, I can move on to something else. And so, in a way, the enemy has the platform to come in and begin to try to add something to the way that you live out the gospel. See, the gospel is more than just the entry point into Christianity. It's more than just getting right with God. But it's what allows us, what invites us, it, 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 it transforms us, it changes us. It is the, the power unto salvation for us, meaning in the end, and when we stand before God, the reason why we will be able to stand as his children is because of this power of this gospel message that has permeated all of your life. But if we're not aware of that, what happens is we slide off the block. Many of us, we, we, we hear the message, we hear what the gospel is, and yeah, I, I affirm that. I, I kind of, there's a mental assent to it. I accepted Christ when I was in my teens or maybe in my 20s or, or 30s, but, you know, yeah, I, I understand the gospel. But what Paul here is really beginning to establish is that there is an attack of the enemy that comes for believers. See, this wasn't written to people who weren't believers, this letter was written to a church that had been established through blood, sweat, and tears. And that there was something that was happening that in, in chapter 5, verse, I believe, 1, Paul says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, he says in verse 2, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Verse 4, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. There's an attack against the gospel that would have you not find Christ in it any longer. Where the enemy would love for you to be in a space where you don't see that Jesus is the end all be all. That it's through him, as, as Paul says in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. This was the secret of his contentment of how to abound or abase or how to do things when, when I have, have a little bit of money or, or, or when I'm broke. How do, how do I navigate life? Well, it's through Christ. What the enemy would love for us to do is to forget that part of the gospel and then begin to add to the gospel or, as Paul would say, no gospel at all, add to your behavior so that you are severed from Christ, meaning that you're no longer pleasing to God. 
I was talking to a good friend of mine, and, 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 and just in our conversation, we kind of talk about sports a little bit. And I made a comment about former Redskins quarterbacks that, man, when they have on the uniform for the Washington Redskins, hey, I'm rooting for them. I, I look at the box scores. I'm like, man, I hope they have a 70% completion rate and they throw about four or five touchdowns. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, I'm sorry. I just love football and I'm, I'm trying to make a point here. But I want them to be successful. But the moment he gets traded, the moment he decides to go to another team, I could care less. I really don't care. In fact, if they're playing against the Redskins, I want them to be unsuccessful. I want them to be an utter failure that day, to throw four or five interceptions, set new records of how bad a quarterback can be. I would love for that to happen against my team. When the enemy is able to move you off the square of finding Jesus in the gospel, you take off the uniform of the blood of Christ. And then you begin to be on another team that's more about works righteousness. And your works righteousness is like a filthy rag before our heavenly father. There is nothing about it that is pleasing to him. But we, we nurture it. We, 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 we do it in sly ways. It, it kind of creeps in. It's... <coughs> Excuse me. It, it, it kind of creeps in. It's, it's in ways like, I don't, you know, God wouldn't really be pleased with me um, because of what I did yesterday. There's, there's no way he's going to bless me now. Well, I, I, I know God doesn't. You know, I'm not even going to go to church because of the sin that I committed. No way that God would want me in his presence. See, that's a slight way. It's just a quick little turn away from the gospel, and you've just lost Christ because you feel that as if your justification came somehow because of your behavior, your ability to follow the law, your ability to please God through your actions. And it stopped being about the blood of Christ. And so what Paul pronounces in, back in chapter 1, verse 3, when, when he says grace and peace to you. We despise the grace of God when we think it's our behavior that has caused us to be in right standing with him. Grace has nothing to do with us. I mean, we sing songs like that, but when you look in the mirror, do you find yourself worth in your ability to go out and get money at your job? Maybe it's because you're such a great mother or a great father. Your parenting skills give you value. Is it there? Is that why God has, has brought you into the fold? Is that why God has made you a part of his family? Because you bring something to the table? Because if you affirm that, then you have just despised the grace that comes through the blood of Jesus. 2002, I was in the school of ministry out in Tennessee. I got really, really sick. It was, it was really bad, and my wife had to drive all the way out there to get me. I love that woman. Um, Crystal, if you're watching, I love you. Um, she came out to get me, um, and we're heading back. And a family member, I got on the phone with them, and they said, you know, <coughs> God couldn't let you, because I, I literally thought I was going to, like I was about to just go on to be with the Lord. I was so sick. Um, he says, um, you know, God couldn't let you die because he has so much work for you to do. And like kind of on the surface, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, God does have purpose for us. But in some ways, it made it seem as if God needed me. And if God needed me, 
then in some ways his love couldn't be something that I could securely rest in because what if I don't accomplish what he wants me, what he's purposed for my life? What if I fall short of that? What if, you know, I make a bad decision and, and that decision leads to, to, to me going off the path? Do, do, do I really stand in this peace that Paul is talking about, grace and peace to you from God, our Father? Is, is that really where I'm at? Because me getting sick made it a possibility that I wouldn't see some of the things that I thought God wanted to do through me. I, I mean, that was a real thought in my brain. And had I been disobedient, did God just save me because he wanted to put me back to work? Or is it because there is a love that Paul talks about in, in, in Ephesians that surpasses understanding? Is there a love that, that he wants us to understand the lengths, the width, the depth, the height of that should drive the rest of my life? Getting to know this God who, through his own volition, through his own will, designed, concocted a plan that Jesus would come and rescue us sinners from this present evil age. The enemy wants to knock you off that square. And his little statements, his, his little things, his, his ways that we affirm that, oh, if I don't have the right emotional state, then God can't be pleased with me. And so I got to conjure that up to make God pleased with me. But when you can rest in this idea that God loves you because you wear the uniform of the blood of Jesus that has cleansed you and made you righteous, that has made you whiter than snow. That you can approach him boldly when you need mercy. Meaning when there are times when I need to repent because of the sins that I've committed. I can go to a loving father and know that he is just and willing to forgive and cleanse me of that unrighteousness. Because of the blood of Jesus. Not because of me. Not because of my work. Not because I'm a member here at Grace Covenant Church. Though I love this house. It is not because of that. It is solely because of what Christ has done. We lose sight of that. And then we begin to not worship and praise him. What he is due. We don't understand that he is in full control of everything. And when we look at the life of Christ, that God set things in order. <laughs> Excuse me. God set things in, in such an order. Thank you. That if you look at Acts chapter 4, I was kind of perplexed at the time that they, as they were praying to God, Peter and, 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 and one of his compadres had come from being um, physically accosted by, um, <laughs> you know, like my word selection, <laughs> trying to use my vocabulary. Man. <laughs> but as they were coming back from being, having the beat down put on them, maybe that's a better way of saying it. <laughs> Um, as they were coming back and they got back with the group and they began to pray to God and, and it's a prayer I love. And they say, God, stretch forth your hand to, to um, bring about healing and, and move with signs, wonders. They also, they say, God, that this was your plan, that you would raise these people up to crucify Jesus. God is in full control of everything. When we lose Jesus in the gospel, then we think there are random activities taking place in our lives that we can't trust God to bring us through. When we understand that it was God who initiated the plan, it was God who accepted the sacrifice that was made, and it was all done according to his will, as he says in verse, four, verse 5, 
We give him all the glory and all the praise. And then we too, like Paul in Philippians, can say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I can navigate the season that I'm in in my life because when I look at Jesus, I know that God had it all under control. There was never a moment that God didn't order the steps of our Lord and Savior. And I, being a joint heir with Christ, come under that same type of supervision. It is in that type of gospel that we begin to live the A through Z of the gospel as opposed to the starting point many of us have come under the delusion of. And so we have to push back against what the enemy would want to do by snatching away the truth of the gospel. You know, Pastor Jim, he pointed out that in Genesis, the attack the enemy made against our heavenly father was against his character. He was saying, you know, did God really say, you know, in fact, God, Eve, he doesn't really want you to have the knowledge of good and evil because he doesn't want you to be like him. And it's the same type of fight or attack the enemy deploys against us. Is it really that simple? I mean, you just, all you got to do is accept this free gift of God. That's it. There's not more that you need to do to prove your loyalty to God? Is there not more? Isn't there more? And that's what these Judaizers, that's what these um, people who wanted the the Christians to to lose their freedom in, in Christ and come underneath their version of a gospel, which was no gospel at all. That if you just add a little good behavior, that'll make God pleased with you. When we respond to the gospel, our behavior changes because we recognize the love. Amen. And when you begin to behold such love, it, does, it can't do nothing but change you. You know, I was a young punk when I was 16. And as I began to think about the love of my mother as I got in my 20s, Man, it caused me to call in and apologize for my young punk behavior. Not because she demanded it, because the response to the love that she showed me demanded it. It was the proper response to what she had done for me. How much more a God who is perfect in all of his ways, who doesn't need any of us, who could cause rocks to cry out, how much more do we lay down our lives? In obedience to him. Jesus equated our love for him with our obedience to him. Not because we're earning our righteousness, but it's because we are his sons and daughters. That we respond in obedience. Love pushes us in that way. So as you begin to think about this day-to-day walk with God. How do you prevent yourself from being knocked off the square of of living through a gospel that has Christ in it? You have to preach the gospel to yourself. Meaning there are times where you got to remind yourself, Jesus, you saved me from this present evil age. I didn't do anything to deserve it. In fact, I didn't even know I was lost. But I thank you for saving me. And this plan wasn't one that I came up with, but this was the will of the Father. And it is my privilege to live under the will of the king. 
So as Pastor D loves to say, we serve at your pleasure. I serve at your pleasure today, Lord God, because of the sacrifice you made, because of the cleansing work of the blood in my life. And because you have transformed me in such, such a way, I will live for your glory. And I pray that you will use me in such a way that others will see that glory. Preaching the gospel to yourself helps you to remain in a place where you always behold Christ. It won't become an old message to you. It won't become something you're so familiar with that other gospels begin to tingle and tickle your ear and become enticing. Because you put your trust firmly in our Lord and Savior and not in works in no way, shape, or manner. Amen? Because tonight is a night where we celebrate baptisms. This gospel truth has come to lay bare on um, these fine folks over here. And so we're going to give our attention to that and we're going to celebrate. And I love baptisms because it's a moment where God is publicly declaring. They're publicly declaring something internally that has happened externally. But God is also declaring that I'm still in the business of saving folks. And though they weren't perfect by any stretch, my love for them rescued them from the kingdom of darkness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time in your word. I thank you for the truth that is here, that is found in Galatians and such a stern message that came from Paul. Maybe you, maybe someone in here, um, you, you, you hear this gospel message, you hear that, 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 you're, that people are saved and things of that nature, but maybe that's not you. Maybe you're still, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, a, a child of wrath. Maybe you're still under the punishment that God has for those who rebelled against his kingdom. If you would like to also come underneath this grace, if you would like to, to be rescued and delivered from this present evil age, I want to give you a moment to, to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. If that's you, please raise your hand. I see that hand, you can put it down. Is there anyone else? For those who raise their hand, please repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I confess that I am a sinner in need of your grace. Thank you for the work that you did at the cross through Jesus Christ. I accept this eternal gift or this free gift of eternal life. And that's for the rest of my days, Lord, that you will help me to become a follower, that I may walk in the light and no longer in the darkness. In the name of Jesus, amen.